Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the timeless questions of fictional journalist Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by Juna Dawson, Dylan B. Jones, and this week we are joined by a very special guest, one of my very favourite journalists and authors, it's the wonderful Sean Fay. Hi Sean, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is like a fulfilment of every career aspiration I've ever had, actually, to talk about Sex and the City for half an hour. That's what Correct. That's what we like to hear. I've thought this for a long time, but should Dylan or I be involved in a terrible accident, we would bequeath the podcast to you, I think. I, I can't think of any safer pair of hands that I would leave this conversation in. That's um, really touching. You, you are welcome. <laughs> it's in the will. I, that, that's, take this to be our living will. This week we are discussing um, season three, episode two, Politically Erect. And now I'm going to pass to Dylan, who will give us his potted synopsis. Yes. So Carrie is dating the politician from last week, Mm -hmm. Bill Kelly, played by John Slattery. Uh, Dashing, I think. Mm. Looks a bit like Johnny Woo out of... That's what Johnny Woo looks like out of drag, a little bit. John (laughs) Slattery. (laughs) <laughs> I see it. Um, I do. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte isn't doing much this week. She uh, throws a party for people who for people to bring their partners along who they're no longer into, which I think is a ridiculous idea. But we'll talk about that later. Samantha is dating a man who is not considered tall by society, and um, and Miranda is struggling with getting more serious with Steve. I think we, we let's I mean let's dive straight in with Carrie because there's there's lots to unravel here. The question she asks is, can there be sex without politics? And this this question comes about after a really bizarre. Darren Star penned conversation in which the four characters talk about which former presidents they would like to fuck. Um, This is a damning indictment of women and feminism. So my first question to all of us is, would you fuck Keir Starmer? Um, No. (laughs) Sean? No, No, I wouldn't. I remember thinking like, there was that whole bit when he was running to leader and everyone was talking about his haircut. And a friend of mine said that on doorsteps, like mums get a bit 
about Keir Starmer, but I just don't see it. No. You know what's you know what's interesting as well, and I guess relates back to this episode a bit, but to Samantha's storyline, is apparently he's quite short. Really? Which oh. I didn't know. Well, because yeah. Rishi Sunak is tiny. Like, if you look at if you look at pictures of Rishi Sunak stood next to literally any other politician, he looks. In fact, actually, in his suit, he does look like he shops in the child section, of <laughs> much like Samantha's shorter date. Um, My mum, I think all the mums at this point call Rishi Sunak Dishy Rishi. My mum calls him Dishy Rishi. No. And I'm like, no. Oh, she, for the love of listens, God. She listens to this podcast. So, mum, if you're listening, stop calling him Dizzy Rishi. Yeah, that became a whole thing. There was like a whole series. There was an article, I think, on Vogue.co.uk like a few months ago because there was a period where like it seemed like it was becoming acceptable. Like he was an acceptable person. Like, he, oh, he might be a Tory, but we all fancy Rishi. But I think mums aside maybe <laughs> it's sort of swung the other way around now because everyone's realized that eat out to help out's over and we're going into a second lockdown so yeah. and he's trying to stop yeah. it <laughs> eat out to get covid yeah i mean that that was that was inexplicable the lengths that people will go to to justify voting conservative i mean i i just can't but i mean boris johnson boris johnson does all right with the ladies i mean we couldn't possibly comment on various rumors around boris johnson's love life but it seems there is no short supply of women willing to have sexual intercourse with boris johnson so maybe like samantha suggests it's a power thing yeah sometimes i forget that i'm the same age as boris johnson's like girlfriend and the mother of his most recent child like that that's actually horrifying it's like realizing you're the same age as julie cooper in the oc which i am now (gasps) (laughs) but yeah it's been kept really quiet hasn't like i've always i'm always amazed that people don't care more about the age difference i personally don't care about age differences but surely like the you would think the british public would care about carrie simmons and boris johnson but no one seems to really be aware of it which is interesting well it's because he's a character so it all adds to his character isn't it i think a lot of boris johnson's monstrous inhumanity works if you consider him like a game of thrones character like you would really enjoy watching him he's like Tyrion or something whereas actually no no he's a real person who was in charge of the country and that's where it gets quite scary but this is interesting because i initially asked a question about sex and now it's become a question of politics (gasps) oh my god carrie's right (laughs) carrie's right everything about like like she says in that first scene sex and politics or fashion and politics as well it's all the same (laughs) <laughs> is is it taking well trodden and well worn earn ideas and making them fresh and new? Yeah, it's exactly yes, and that. so is and so is sex as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is interesting, which brings us to the crux of Carrie's storyline, which is Bill Kelly wants nothing more than to get Carrie all clean and nice in the shower, possibly using natural source shower gel. The mint tea tree one and then he wants her to wee on him Mm. once once she's clean um which is interesting because um this episode would have aired in 99 2000 whereas actually i found the year 2008 to be huge for golden showers so maybe it's like a cycle but in 2008 that was the the current it was the recession no. people couldn't people couldn't afford more expensive <laughs> kinks so all you had left was your face <laughs> oh my god 
sex has become politics again. Feet and golden showers are the only affordable fetishes. Everything else, latex <laughs> fetish, you have to have the disposable income. It's just what we've got. It's what we've got. Um, no, that's insane because I was about to say that I had experiences asking guys about um, me about it in 2016. So it's every eight years. Oh my God. So when is the next golden shower due? <laughs> 2024. This is, this is a thing. I think, I think I've been asked to, to, I want to be say the recipient. Is that correct? <laughs> to be the person pissed on. I've only ever been asked that way. And that was the key thing I thought, considering this was like 2000, was that like now, like there's loads of stuff about like in the media about choking and like, you know, when it's a man doing it to a woman, there's a kind of a bit of an anxiety about that in the media now. And I think it just, it seemed very tame because it's like, it's the safe way around because yeah. it's her humiliating him. And I think like, if someone was writing it now, I feel like they flip that a bit because it seems like more like the conversations we have now. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, because having now recently rewatched this, Carrie isn't as kink shamey as I maybe remembered her being. I thought, I mean, she makes some crappy puns about being the princess and the pea and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> But what struck me... So stupid. I think that the difference now, although we will come to Emily in Paris shortly, fear not. I think now, if this was being written for 2020, I don't think Carrie would have left several days between Bill asking for this golden shower to her kind of politely turning him down, kind of. I think I like I think to think that... now she would have been empowered to just say, that's not my thing. Or I think now, considering this is an HBO show mm. and, you know, Carrie's supposed to be an adventurous sex columnist, I think now she would have done it. Mm. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I was, I was kind of a bit, I was remembered it being really judgy as well and actually wasn't really like they made fun of it and then samantha said i peed on a guy once during sex but it was an accident and like um which is obviously such a samantha thing to say i've done it once but it's not something i would do again he like suggested it this is the thing about it is because this is and how it's described in the episode so i'm gonna ask dylan as someone that knows because carrie didn't do it (laughs) it's like he sort of describes it and he's like we'll move to the shower and get really clean and then you're just it just is quite divorced from sex because you've got to go somewhere else have this kind of ritualistic cleaning do the piss and then what just clean again is it is yeah, isn't it just a me, bit dis- disjointed yeah for me for me it did for me yeah it, that's exactly it I just said yes to it because I was like I just say yes to everything and it was pointless for me I, I wasn't I wasn't really disgusted by it which is why if I'd been disgusted by it, I wouldn't have said yes to it. But at the same time, I certainly wasn't like aroused by it. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to say that in 2008, you know, I didn't want to be the other one out. So I, jo- I joined in <laughs> with the golden shower thing. And, and again, it was... Oh, it's, it all, was, coming out, it's all coming out now. <laughs> well, there was a guy, I mean, it was again, it was a guy that I was dating and he said he was into it. I actually spoke to some cis girlfriends at the time who... I'm certainly not going to name names, but one of them confided in me that her boyfriend liked to watch her wet herself. Like, okay, it's fine. And um, <laughs> so, so if I figured to myself, look, if cishet people are doing this, it's really not as wild as I think it is. But much like Dylan said, I'm not a big fan of anything where afterwards you're like, well, now what? Because yeah. I was just cold and dripping in piss in a shower cubicle. 
So you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. So it's like, okay, okay, now I'll shower. Because when I don't want to drip wee on your carpet, kind of. And it's also not sexy. It's also not sexy to me at all. Like the the idea of like weeing. It's like sort of a quite, I don't know, just a bodily function, isn't it? It's not. But it's a power thing. It's about, I think, humiliation and... Mm. And as well, again, you you know, if you can convince yourself that something is a bit taboo or a bit naughty, then immediately it's ten times more exciting. And, and of course, like, with him as well, there is this, like, stereotype that obviously still exists of, like, powerful man politicians are always the ones that want to be dominated by women and stuff like that. And so I guess this is Sex and the City's way of kind of putting that in without getting too extreme because it's potentially a bit silly like it's not like Mm. he wants Carrie to whip him or to be a dominatrix it's just like a slightly silly version of where the idea that men in power which Samantha says right like oh it's typical like men in power always want to be dominated well how much do we think Darren Stard knew about Donald Trump given what we know about him and Russian sex workers allegedly (laughs) allegedly Cease and desist oh on this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just been a it's just been a recurring trope, hasn't it? I think it, it's it's still. I mean, you hear less of yeah. yeah there was the, the allegations about Donald Trump, but I think like back in the like nineties, like the Tory sleaze and all that, mm. you heard loads about that sort of stuff, didn't you? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think yeah, I think you probably knew that that was probably a repeated thing of lots of powerful men. I heard when Rebecca Moore and I were chatting. Um, one of the cock destroyers, for listeners who don't know, she said that, yeah, she gets a lot of male clients in high-powered jobs and all they want is to be dominated. And the words she used were, they just want a mummy. <laughs> so. Oh, God. But that's probably, yeah, that's, pro- that's probably true, isn't it? And I think... I mean, if you were dispatched to boarding school, you can see why that might be a thing. No, I was going to say, this was another episode where we, where we have a working sex columnist who has an incredibly vanilla sex life. And this is something we keep coming back to and keep coming back to, which is how has a sex columnist had so little experience sexually? But actually, I, I, I find, uh, I'm not going to name names because I'm not going to get spicy, but I think that's kind of <laughs> the case even now. Like When I think about like some of the women in the UK who are probably paid the most to write about their love and sex lives, you know, they're never the edgiest because I feel like it's a sort of certain position where you have to be like, why you're supposed to be like wily enough to know about it all but kind of normy enough especially as a woman to be like not to you know there was like slut ever on vice a few years ago and she seemed to like genuinely like being promiscuous and like how oh, she but, was like, fab. yeah but like apart from her like often you do actually have to be quite vanilla which makes sense because you're writing publicly about sex and it's still like yeah. there's still a fear that you're going to get like really shamed if you if you were too out there Mm. Yeah, yeah, that could be. It also could be as well, like maybe a sex columnist needs to be someone who hasn't done things. And maybe this was done for the sake of maybe both Candice Bushnell and the show did this for the sake of the storyline. She has to have not already done stuff to be able to address it. Like if she if she had already seen and done everything, every episode would be like, oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> like, you know, like there wouldn't be any kind of angle on it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, bless her. I love I love it when she asks if Bill would be excited by dripping warm tea or that if she can drip warm tea on him because I don't she's think there's anyone she's trying and a bless her she does try she she also I noticed invented the enormous flower in this episode um which of course then led Gokwan to a 10-year reign of terror. Um, and the X Factor too, where Danny Minogue, they used to come out with the giant poppies, the poppy off every... <laughs> oh my God. 
I noticed that too, and I put it in my notes because she wears it like three times. There's and it sort of moves around. Like in the first scene at the like um, poly- political event, it's here, mm-hmm. and then at the Indian restaurant, there's one sort of here, and then I was half expecting there to be one like on her head as well. I um, guess it's because like, couldn't see me doing that. like her nod <laughs> to the political rosette. I guess in that she she clearly is sort of dressing the part of the first lady although do we think and we dylan and i briefly touched on this last week do we think it's interesting that the girls aside from miranda seem very apolitical nowadays do we think they would be allowed to be more overtly political yeah i i, I think that because well you obviously mentioned that conversation about politics and it just yeah. is like i feel actively like i'm losing brain cells watching it it's really really it, it's like one of the few times that the show just really shows a really bad attitude about like what women are about like you're like just wincing um and I yeah I guess like yeah it's a shame because I think they, they would all be I mean like Miranda is the sort of one as you'd expect true to form that's a bit like are we really having these conversations but yeah like and nowadays as well I just don't believe all of them wouldn't, wouldn't have, exhibit really strong politics it's difficult because obviously you want your art to be timeless so you can't you can't touch on I mean there is a point um at one point where Carrie points out that Giuliani will shut it down like the sex shops so there was there is a reference there's a reference to Mayor Giuliani aside aside from that it, I suppose it has to be timeless so I can understand why they wouldn't want to get too much into Clinton or Bush at the time, who were the presidents during the run of Sex in the City. But I think now, I mean, maybe it's the times we live in, but increasingly I don't, I think being apolitical is not an option. I don't think it's an option in real life. And I don't really think it's an option in art. And we're seeing shows like Mrs. America now, which you know, granted it's set in the 1970s, but, you know, a show literally about the politics of women in America, maybe that is a sign of the times. Yeah, I think so. I think it's because we've had this huge, whether you want to call it consumerist or liberal, like it's very fashionable to put the label feminist on things now, whether they're feminist or not. And there's obviously been like a huge, like, you know, the Beyonce self-titled album, all of that sort of stuff. There's like a huge mainstreaming of like, you can talk about feminism in public, which like they're really, that was dead in the nineties. It was like, just considered like a seventies hangover that maybe lesbians were into, but no one else um, in a lot of mainstream culture. I think so. a lot of this is about them like avoiding Mm. That, like, yeah avoiding feminism and stuff like that I was thinking too as well about um yeah when you said about the politics because obviously sex like sex and city yeah as you say time because even their response to 9-11 when they had to take the twin towers out of the opening credits and they have that episode like they don't they sort of acknowledge it but in this very indirect no, way I think that conversation where they're all sat around is quite significant and it's, I mean, the most cringe bit is when Charlotte says, like, politics, it's a great way to meet men. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, I thought it was also interesting that they do clearly know a bit. Of, it's not like they're completely clueless. Like, they're, like, name dropping all the past presidents and stuff. Like, they know about politics, but they don't care, which is really interesting and definitely, definitely wouldn't be the case now. And Carrie, Carrie's not registered to vote, which... She's... Yeah. That's twice <laughs> twice it's mentioned that she's not registered to vote. Um I think that dismissiveness was quite cool then, but now is unacceptable. Yeah, and I think it's that like slight thing with Carrie too, the aspects of her that are like a woman child, that at the time they sort of bill her as quirky and fashionable, like the fact she doesn't have a cell phone when everyone's got a cell phone or she puts her bras in her 
her oven or the fact yeah. that she like can't like she hasn't saved any of her money and she's got like you know it's so, like obviously now you're just like what is wrong with her? Like, it's not endearing it's and not she charming thinks, and she horrifying. thinks emails can see her <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing as well like I I find this too is that I'm again I bring up my age is I, I when I started watching Sex and City my most recent watch I am closer in age than at the start now and I first really loved mm. it when I was 16. And now I'm like, no wonder you loved it when you were 16. Because there are some ways that Carrie talks that's like a 16-year-old girl's idea of what it's like to be like an yeah. adult. And, um, and yeah, it's just like completely horrified now, considering that like everyone's stuck in perpetual house share teenage misericness, like, misery forever, <laughs> locked down with strangers. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a bit like, what are you doing frittering away your, your independence? Yeah. Okay, we are going to take a tiny little break and we will be back after these short messages for part two. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi there. Welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. Um, We are in the middle of discussing season three, episode two, Politically Erect, and we're joined by the wonderful journalist and author, Sean Fay. Okay. I don't think there's anything left to possibly say about um, Carrie, but let's talk about Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha. Um, Again, we have three... Well, actually, no. Miranda's plotline has nothing to do with politics, although she has to find a way to gently tell Steve that she is happy to date him until someone better comes along. I didn't think there was, like, much to this storyline other than just kind of another stage in moving Miranda and Steve's story along really yeah I think I think the same I think like there's a lot of filler here I guess it's because they've got back together after attempting to being being friends at this point haven't they so it's like that thing perhaps like maybe it's the idea that you've broken up with someone once you've got back together with them and you're not sure if you've done it for the right reasons or whatever and so she's trying to weigh up like is this worth it is this it for the long term 
Um, but yeah, I guess the way that they loosely tie it to politics is that she tries to be very kind of mechanical about it, like doing pros and cons. And then the whole message of that is you can't actually do that with love. Like you have to love someone beside their, despite their cons. Um, I think that's the takeaway. But yeah, it's very loose. <laughs> it's a very loose tied politics. I actually wrote down like pros and cons list. Because I was like, has any? Because it's quite a common thing in like shows and movies, isn't it? Has anyone mm-hmm. ever actually done that? I've done. I have done it, but I've always ended up like if I just feel like if you make normally in real life, if you're making a pros and cons list, you're going to break up with them because yeah. like if it's going well, you don't. You're not making it. Like I've I've done it, but it, I've always broken up. <laughs> Perhaps even more politically incorrect. Although actually, this is kind of on the subject because Miranda is kind of doing that whole American thing of dating multiple guys. I once, when I moved to London, met two guys the same week. And they were both very, very lovely in very different ways. And I kind of had to do a bit of a pros and cons decision about which, because I just didn't have the time in my life to be dating two guys full time. And I thought at first I was being very chic and very kind of metropolitan, but but in the end, um, it was just exhausting. Seeing two men at the same time, you have no, no time left for yourself, which is bullshit. I actually, yeah, with, with like... <laughs> My ex-boyfriend, uh, like who I was dating for the last couple of years, I remember actually the very start, I started seeing, yeah, someone around the same time and they were really different. Like their, their whole vibe was just completely different. And I remember just like, there was a point where I was like, I have to cut, and, they were, and I live in Bristol and one was in Manchester and one was in London. And part, I actually think like very early on, I was like, well, London's closer. <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to the practicals in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Two great cities, though, and two great men, starring Sean (laughs) (laughs) Sean in Manchester, from the makers of Emily in Paris. Oh, my God. I still follow the one. Actually, weirdly, because I broke up with the one I chose, I have a I have a more cordial relationship with the one I rejected because we still follow each other on Instagram. Oh. Excellent. So, Jeff, Samantha dates Jeff Fenton, who... I like him. I like Jeff mm, Fenton. Me too. <laughs> he's funny. Uh, he looks like Andy. He's like a, he looks exactly like Andy Garcia. Like like mm. arrestingly like Andy Garcia, but not as tall. Not not to be like too uh, discoursey about it. Like I was actually, whereas I was less shocked about the Carrie, uh, like you were saying, the Carrie slut shaming thing. I was actually quite shocked about how mean samantha is to him and about how mean yeah. the whole show is to him like yes like it's pretty yeah. awful it's wince it's like wince fair isn't it it's like don't know yeah. like, it definitely would not be i don't think it could be um ex- quite rightly ex- escape the vengeance of the internet were that to go out now but i think it still would go out now i think because the joke's on a man so there's the sort of the privilege play i think I could see a show like Fleabag or Emily in Paris actually running the same storyline and being like, oh my God, would you ever date a man who was shorter than you, kind of? Um, I think maybe less cruel, but I think they'd do the same plot. I can see them do I think I partly agree with you. I can see them doing it with a character like Fleabag because we know she's an awful person and we know that she would like make fun of a short person. But with Sex and the City, we're supposed to like them and think that they're good people. Do you know? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's weird though, because actually on Twitter now, when you actually look at like straight woman Twitter, women are really horrible about like because because obviously most of my <laughs> like, I have a couple of like, most of all, all my close friends are gay men, and I have like some short gay male friends, and they're always like, I can't imagine how fucked I'd be if I was straight. Like, thank God I'm gay. 
because if they're like five foot five foot five or whatever like women do actually feel pretty entitled even on twitter and stuff like that just talk about height and actually i don't know transgender women can be really bad about it because they're like oh i need a guy that's taller than me to feel like a deep feminine so it gives, mm. and it's actually like oh is this really okay is this really okay it's well, just it's like the one thing you can say yeah it's body, it's body shaming. And I think, we, you know, we do need to be mindful of who is doing the shaming and why they're doing the shaming. But at the end of the day, it's body shaming. You know, nobody asks to be the height they are. Um, I'm sure there are lots of tall women out there who hate being shamed for being over six foot. And I think the same rule has to apply to, to men who are shorter as well and I will say I will say this and I've said this before that in my experience as a trans woman at any stage in my life oh we're in trans corner bing bong bing at any stage in my long trans life somebody has fancied me and so actually if I've taken one thing away from my life is that there there really is somebody out there for everyone so if there are any sort of shorter guys listening to this you know as well as I do that you're going to get laid, it's going to be fine. But certainly we don't need anybody being cruel or mocking guys for being less than six feet tall. And while we're talking about Jeff and also to, if we're in trans corner, I was going to say that the thing wait, about wait, this wait. episode... Bing bong bing! <laughs> is about, is about at the party that Charlotte throws, which um, Samantha takes Jeff to, which like, this like, we can talk about what, what I... I I kind of like the idea in one sense, but I actually think it's also like trans women in and around London. It's what they do anyway. Like we're all at that party metaphorically. <laughs> like I feel like oh it's God. very hard to find someone who isn't someone else's cast off. So, oh so my like, God. I-, <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I'm nodding because it's true. It is. I mean, and I'm I'm outside of London as well. So I, sometimes I look down on it from above and be like, ah. Yes. And I'm nodding because I've heard that from every single trans woman that I know in London. <laughs> I was going to say, though, about the short the uh, short guy thing. Something I will say, one of very few things I will say for the cis male gay community is that being short can is far from a disadvantage, can be an advantage. Like a lot of gay men are very into shorter guys although it's kind of it's fetishization so i'm not sure if that's a plus point or not but um... I, I think i think i think i can make the statement it's better to be fetishized than outright rejected sometimes not all the time <laughs> as whitney houston would say not all the time but sometimes <laughs> it's interesting that that is the case within the gay community um i imagine it's to do if we want to really delve into it i imagine it's because like some more dominant guys might like the quote-unquote daintiness of a shorter guy, but then we go into like gender roles and all that, all that. So like, let's not even get. In. But yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think, yeah. I, th- I think, and I think it's because with women, I think you know, I've mentioned the transgender women example, and I think for cisgender women, it's probably just you know loads of narratives about like men are supposed to be taller, the man on the wedding cake is taller. This idea, mm. like some people use biology, like oh, I want my kids to be tall, and this idea that like women like to feel sometimes feminine, they don't want to feel like big or manly, even cisgender mm. women next to a man. But uh, which is obviously why Samantha gets freaked out by Jeff, Jeff having having um, from the Bloomingdale's boys department rather than the men's department a suit that that causes a second when she's already kind of had sex with him once a second wave although I really like that he's not you know I like that he's really um, bullish and aggressive and not hurt in a way because I think it's like just a more interesting dimension to that character yeah I think it's a really sweet 
I think it's really sweet at the end when like they joke with each other and he's like, where do you shop? The big and tall whore store? And she's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> I do as it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like he turns out to be one of her longest relationships ever. Two weeks. Two whole weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that was a sweet, like it was a sweet ending to a problematic storyline. To, to, go, to go back to the party, would you want to go to, would you take, would you... If if it was like a close friend and you felt like everyone was going to take part, would you would you take someone? To, it's a quite a full. It's quite like as we find out, it's quite a hurtful thing to do to someone. <laughs> I mean, if if you've not been told, and so I think that's why Samantha is kind of an asshole because she she takes Jeff under false pretenses, and the the guys and girls who are there who know what they've signed up for um, seem so quite for chill. Listeners. For listeners, Charlotte, I can't remember if we mentioned this already. Charlotte throws a party and invites everyone to bring an ex who they're no longer interested in, in the hope that people will meet each other. Including Elizabeth Banks from 30 Rock and Zach and Mary McAponnell and Charlie's Angels. I would possibly, because a lot of my gay exes from before my transition are now my friends. So far be it from me to deny them future love just because I transitioned and took myself out of their dating pool. Um, you know, that's not their fault. So, um, um, yeah, <laughs> if, we're ta- if we're talking gay exes, <laughs> then yeah, I've, I've actually done that. <laughs> like, pretty sure I've had, like, maybe not for relationships, but maybe for a night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if every if everybody knows what they're getting into, it's fine as a concept. Um, it's kind of it very much feels like the D storyline. It's like the least important plot this week. Charlotte meets a guy briefly, Greg, Greg Miller, and she thinks she's going to get laid. But then when his ex sees him talking to Charlotte, she becomes jealous and decides she wants him after all. It's just a weird concept for a party. Like, if you got an invite, like a Facebook invite to that, and then the thing, and then, like, the information describing what it was, you'd just be like, what are you doing? Like, what? I think the stupidest party, which you've probably already, yeah, you've probably already covered on the podcast, the most embarrassing reason for a party on Sex and City is the I'm not having a baby shower oh, party yeah. that Samantha has. <laughs> like, if someone invited me to that, I'd be like, I'm not coming. Like, that's <laughs> Like, who are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> like, I'm not having a baby either, Samantha. Um, I'm not throwing that party. That reminds me, you know, sometimes certain lines in Sex and the City just make you, like, spit your coffee out. There was one in this one in particular. Meanwhile, across town, Steve was busy stuffing Miranda's ballot box. <laughs> just, uh, just come on now. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like when they do those visual puns, isn't it? Like on crabs, or they'll like show, think, talk about fingering, and then someone will be Aiden will be putting his fingers through a wall, and you're like, oh, we get it. <laughs> Before we move on, have have we all dipped a toe in? the Parisian waters of Emily in Paris. Um, so I watched episode one about two hours ago. <laughs> same, same as I did. No, I haven't yet. I spent a lot of last week off my face on codeine and I feel like that was the time to watch <gasps> it. And now I'm not sure if I've got too many brain cells working. <laughs> oh, I mean, at the risk of excluding Sean, I mean, would we, would we recommend it to a friend? I spent the whole time with my hands over my face but I kind of at some points was I love being shocked by how um barefaced by things that are really just barefaced and ridiculous and in that respect I I respect it for its sheer gall 
<laughs> oh, that's what I'll say. Oh, Dylan. <laughs> yes, I will say it's interesting how many of the same beats as Sex and the City it has. Yeah, completely. Very. And yeah. <laughs> also, including sending a woman to Paris, an American in Paris. But um, it's interesting, and bless her. I think Lily Collins is working harder than she's ever oh, worked. Yeah. Which because is not very hard to to make. <laughs> To make that script work, you you would yeah. have to, I mean, because the the whole the whole thing is that she's kind of this slightly clueless American who goes to Paris and doesn't speak a word of French and starts an Instagram account. I mean, maybe that's the most unrealistic element, which is that the account at Emily in Paris would be available. It's written and directed and produced and everything by Darren Starr, who did Sex so, in the City. So that that's why it is worthy of mention. Mm. I mean, I might bear with it just for the clothes. They've got Patricia Field back on board doing the yeah. costume. So obviously our 20-something marketing manager is dressed in head-to-toe designer just with with um, a different designer handbag in every uh, scene she has a louis vuitton in one scene she has a chanel in another i'm just like those bags are four thousand dollars a piece i mean i think the most i think the word the the most clangor of a line and sex in the city does have lines of this nature occasionally is when she meets her neighbor who's from normandy and he says, I'm from Normandy. And she says, oh, my God, Saving Private Ryan. I just, I, no, I can't, I can't. Anyway, listeners, yeah, maybe, I think some of our listeners would probably enjoy it. I mean, I did wonder to myself, if I was, again, a bit like Sean just said, if I was 16 and watching it, I might have believed such a character plausible. Um... Possibly I'm bringing my 38-year-old baggage to it and I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Just I get a she, fucking clue. But I think she kind of is plausible. I think she's like a she is she's like a dumb American PR girl with an Instagram account. Like that's what they're like. Amazingly. <laughs> and she does like. she does the guy, one of her colleagues reads her and says you know, you are arrogant to come here without knowing a word of French, kind of, and she sort of has to acknowledge yeah, I kind of assumed everyone would, would speak English, which miraculously they all do. It's a weird one because you can have like plausible and like like implausible privileged characters. You know, like how um like was it like Jessa and girls who just like seem to float around constantly, like moving around the world despite like, like being funded on a lifestyle. Like everyone I know posh girls like that that seem to mm. be like I was on a beach in like Thailand and then and, like where how is this lifestyle coming? It's Alexis think, like, from Shit's yeah. Creek as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I had this I remember I had this friend at uni so on the first day of term, uh, an hour and a half into the first lecture, the door banged open and she came in with a suitcase and sunglasses and said, I'm so sorry, I just got back from Bora Bora. Um, I haven't done any of <laughs> So yeah, those girls, those girls do exist. <laughs> Tell that to 21-year-old me running away from the Yakuza. That's my favourite Shit Creek line. So in summation, we need, to, we need to finish off by answering Carrie's question because we haven't. Can you have sex without politics? So can you sleep with a Tory, basically? <laughs> Sorry, I just flinched. <laughs> Actually, I, I have. I, I can't lie. I probably yeah, I, I at have, various yeah. points have yeah, slept with Tories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tories Anonymous are in a TA meeting. Before I was a bit more kind of didn't really care that much. I would be a bit kind of 
perplexed if someone had different political views but I'd be like you know what we've all got different political views I don't know what their situation is blah 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 but mid 2020 and post 2020 absolutely not like it's very like I wouldn't I, I have I would have trouble being in the same proximity as someone who still supported the Conservative Party. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely couldn't, I couldn't date a Tory and I couldn't even knowing that I've had that argument. But even like, so currently now, like my my new boyfriend is a socialist. So like the first time someone's ever really had the same politics, like the same level of left as me, I have settled many a time for yeah. a nice centrist who I've had to be like, <laughs> okay, I get it. You like, you think like social, like anything that's like, you know, it's unelectable or whatever. We had the Corbyn moment. And I kind of like, that was enough. And I knew that like loads of my friends, I didn't ever want them to argue with my friends because all my friends tend to be a bit more left wing. But it is, it is quite nice to not, to have the anxiety of like having an argument about some, a fundamental way you see the world, especially now when everything seems to be about mm-hmm. politics and what's society I mean, going yeah. wrong. And there's, there's big P politics and little P politics as well. And I think a guy that I dated a very long time ago, he probably was a Labour voter, but actually he was socially conservative. I know that's kind of like a thing now in that he, he I think he was quite misogynist and, you know, in, in a strange way, he was quite anti a lot of things for gay people as well. I would be really fascinated to know what he makes of advances in trans rights as well, because I, I suspect I know. And so I, I think yeah, you as you get older, you know, and that guy I was with in my early 20s, because he was really, really hot, you know, and that was that was enough for me when I was 23, 24 years old. Whereas now I couldn't sit opposite somebody at dinner and have a conversation without my kind of pol- politics coming to the fore, you know, and and all three of us sit here as queer people, you know, our existence is inherently political. So for Sean and I, if we're on a date, you know, you have to be fairly pro-trans rights because otherwise you might kill us, kind of. So <laughs> I did go on a date with someone once who asked me what I thought of Jordan Peterson. <gasps> me too oh my god was it the same guy i was like i'm not a fan because i'm a trans woman and he misgenders trans women he was like but he's got a point and i was like you want to sleep with me like what is <laughs> hang on a minute let's do some was this guy like a personal trainer slash stunt double no he wasn't literally he's the same professional bodybuilder and and he was, yeah, similarly, which is, have you ever read any Jordan Peterson? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I can actually see straight guys, like, loving Jordan Peterson, actually. Like, that makes so much sense. It's just a bit weird when they want it, but that's, that was the thing, is because he's really anti-trans, and it's like, well, these guys are, like, you know, by definition, if they're on a date with you, you know, like, attracted to... So it's like, but, yeah, that would be really hard, someone that, like, realising that someone... which I, So maybe there is sex without politics, because there are men that would have sex with trans people who literally don't care about anything to do about the reality of our lives at all and they're just fine with it so they're having sex without any politics that disturbs them (laughs) i'm now ruminating because i think that's and that's a weird privilege because i think for you or i that option isn't available you know we we have to kind of make sure and put our safety first and make sure kind of that you know, and as well, there, there's lots of conversation about whether or not trans people have to disclose our trans background or if, you know, if we are obligated to or when we are obligated to do that. So I think for us, actually, we don't get a choice. I think for us, sex is political. Yeah, I agree. And that feels perhaps like a, 
a thought-provoking place to end on, actually. Do you prepare for next week by watching Season 3, Episode 3, Attack of the 5 Foot 10 Woman, where Najinsky or whatever is back? And all that's left to do is say a very big thank you to Sean for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are welcome back yeah, anytime. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure I will come yeah. back. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Until next time, you can follow us at SIGTT Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Juna Dawson. I'm Dylan Jones. And we will see you next time. Take care. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.